Well, last week we did our intro into the Beatitudes, so we are going to be in Matthew, if you want to turn there, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, but um, I'll give you a heads up, we're looking at one verse, and it's printed there for you in gray, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we are talking about living in Jesus' kingdom. That's what the Beatitudes are all about. Now that we're Christian and we live in two kingdoms, we live in the kingdom of this world, this physical kingdom, but we also live in a spiritual kingdom. It says that we are seated in the heavenlies. And so how do we live in this world with dual citizenship? Where citizenship is in heaven and yet we're uh, American citizens at the same time that live in Las Cruces. And this is the culture in which we live. And it's about building and restoring relationships. So the very first step, the very first beatitude, and that's what these are called. I don't know who gave them that name. Uh, It is just a name that is used. Step one is being broken to be healed. Being broken to be healed. And last week we talked about what blessed means. Does blessed mean just joyful, happy, delightful, that is based on circumstances? And we came to the conclusion that being blessed means favored of God, approved of God. And so we are blessed. And we're going to look at how we're blessed. Because blessed is not measured by our circumstances. Blessed is measured by our relationship, our approval, our being in favor with God. And so... Here it is. Here's our text. We'll look at some other Bible texts. But blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And we have to be honest with the text. We have to say, well, well, what? What does it mean to be poor in spirit? And that's the very first fill in the blank. What is poor in spirit? Sometimes it's helpful, though, to look at the opposite. It gives a bit of a contrast because... When we think of, ah, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Does that mean to be humble? Does that mean to walk around with our head cast down? Does that mean to be broke? I mean, what does it actually mean to be broke in spirit? Well, let me give you the opposite of what it means to be broke in spirit. And it means to be haughty. Look at that frog. That lipstick on. Little drinky with an umbrella. Uh, It says, I'm way prettier than you. That's haughty. Would you agree that that's a haughty attitude? Or, or how about the next slide? The next slide shows haughtiness. You know, kind of rolling your eyes at people that are beneath you. That's what it means to be haughty in spirit. Or the Bible uses haughty, but also prideful in spirit. And so I want you to understand that poor in spirit is the opposite of being haughty in spirit. And so, well, let's look at the definition of haughty. Arrogantly superior and disdainful. A look of haughty disdain. Here's some synonyms. Proud, arrogant, vain, conceited, snobbish, superior, self-important, pompous. I don't know if I can even pronounce that word. Supercilious? I'm going to learn to pronounce a new word today. Condescending, patronizing, scornful, contemptuous, disdainful, ah, full of oneself. I like that definition of what it means to be 
haughty in spirit, prideful in spirit. So, what does it mean to look, or what does it look like or mean to be poor in spirit? The, the, the original word that, that Jesus uses, or at least Jesus is recorded as saying, is this word, and I'm not going to try to pronounce it to you in, in the Greek, but what is really unique about this verb is it doesn't necessarily mean it's about being poor. It means to shrink or cower or to cringe. Now you think, why would they use the root word for poor to mean to cringe? I mean, that's an honest question. Why would you, I mean, if you're going to develop a new word, why would you start with the word cringe or to shrink? Ah, here's why. When you are poor, physically poor, and there were a lot of poor people in Jesus' day, they would shrink off into a corner and they would hide their face and they would stick their hands out begging for money. So anybody that was poor was always one who lived in the shadows because of shame and guilt. And they were so shameful, they would cower back, but they would have their hands out asking for money, asking for for something. And so that's that root word. It referred to a person who was reduced to total destitution. One who crouched in a corner begging. So it was begging poor. Not, hey, I'm poor because my flat screen is only 25 inches poor. You know, this is poor. And Jesus connects it to being poor in spirit. It was not a one-time event. It is a condition, a state of being. So, and, and being dead broke, abject poverty, but I, I, I like the term broken in spirit. So to be poor in spirit is a self-realization, that's a good word even though some new age people use it, it's realizing, recognizing, and admitting one's own spiritual brokenness or spiritual poverty apart from God. I, I'm broken and I can't be fixed. Can you all say amen to that? Ah, you're broken and you can't fix yourself. And to be poor in spirit means that you've come to the understanding that you don't have the resources. You are lost, you are hopeless, you are broken, you are sinful, you are powerless to change the course that you're on. And this is really the first step to getting right with God, others, and ourselves. To be broken before God and realize your complete dependence on Him. How many of you are trusting in your iris? A little? How many are you trusting in your retirement funds? A little? Can they be gone tomorrow? Yeah, they can. They can be wiped out tomorrow. Maybe I should look past the tool that God may use to realize my dependence on Him. See, the haughty in spirit rolls their eyes at God. Oh, maybe not literally rolls their eyes at God. But 
the haughty in spirit says, I don't need your help. I'm better than everybody else. I'm not weak. I'm not powerless. You know people out in your family that said, I can fix myself. I don't need God. I mean, most of the world walks each and every day without the Lord because they think they have the power and the resources to get it done all on their little lonesome self. But this is what Psalm 34, 18 says, which is a great for us. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Uh, That is just a beautiful verse. That when we're broken, when we realize how much we need the Lord, it says the Lord draws near to us. And He saves those who are being crushed. Those who have to fight each and every day. Fighting through depression. Fighting through discouragement. Fighting and saying, I can't do this on my own. I can't take a happy pill. How come in the last 40 years we just prescribe happy pills to people? Instead of dealing with the real issues inside. Because we're broke. Say it with me. We're broke. We need Jesus. And this psalm, David says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. But it also, Solomon, his son, wrote this. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Later on, he says this, haughty eyes and a proud heart, that's the lamp of the wicked, and that's sin. So sin in another way, poor in spirit means, I'm not God, and I need him. That I am powerless to change, and I need him. That I am spiritually bankrupt, I have nothing to say, God, I have this to offer to you to pay for my brokenness. It, 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 nothing compared to the cross. That I'm spiritually bankrupt. I have no resources to change my state of brokenness. And guess what? I need him. And that's okay. I'm good with that. Are you good with that? That you need Jesus? I am not in control. And I need him. Oh, when I was younger, I thought I was in control. I think that kind of grows out of you when you get older to realize that you're not in control. But the haughty in spirit says this, I'm basically a good person. I don't have any real character defects. Oh yeah, you know, just the garden variety kind, but it's no big deal. I don't have character defects. I can change if I want to. I have the resources to do it. I, I can just change if I want to. I'm not broken and I don't need to be fixed. What do we call that besides a river in Egypt? Denial, right? Just denial. I want you to turn your Bibles to Luke, Luke 18. Turn in your Bibles to Luke 18. And we're going to look at two people. One has a poor in spirit attitude and one has a haughty in spirit attitude. Jesus is going to tell us this in chapter 18 of Luke, beginning at verse 9. And it's a parable, but I think it's rooted in in something that Jesus might have saw. Beginning at verse 9 of chapter 18 of Luke, it says this, He told also this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. There's that haughtiness. 
Jesus said this, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. And you can see this visual aid that Jesus might have been using his finger to point at somebody. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. I'm so good. Verse 13, but the tax collector, standing far off, not even willing to draw close to the center of the action. Remember what cringe, what the word poor means? It means to hide in a corner. This guy's hiding in a corner. And he says this, he would not even lift his eyes up to heaven, but he beat his breast because he was so distraught, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. It's all that he says. Verse 14, I tell you, this man, this tax collector, this one who was poor in spirit, I'm adding to the text, he went home to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So we kind of got an idea of what it means to be what, uh, what it means to be poor in spirit, right? Let's move on to the next fill in the blank. Who? Who are the poor in spirit? Apart from Jesus, everyone is spiritually destitute, no matter his or her education, their wealth, their social status, their accomplishments, or even their religious knowledge, or what I would like to call your religious scorecard. I don't know if you finally got rid of your religious scorecard, but many people have a religious scorecard, and they think that somehow by doing all these things in the outward sign, going to church, uh, giving to the church, walking the old lady across the walkway, is all part of that scorecard. No, God doesn't have a scorecard. And once we understand that our scorecard is worthless, we get to throw it away. And then we really start to do things from the heart and not to show people how good we are. The poor in spirit are those who are blessed that turn their eyes off of themselves and look to God. We're all spiritually starving to death. And if we don't turn to God, you know what we try to do? We try to fill this emptiness. We try to fill our spirit, our very soul with physical things. We might chase after materialism, that somehow the best I can do in life is to have a big house with a three-car garage and old cars that have been fixed up and I'm cool, right? But does that really satisfy a spirit? Does that satisfy a soul? Or maybe it's alcohol. Maybe, maybe it's about, well, you know, I really don't drink that much, but if I think about it, I drink every day, and maybe I am addicted to that. Or maybe, and I've said this before, why is it when you have a rough day you want to go out to eat for dinner? Why? Because that's, it's comfort food, right? How many of you like comfort food? Something sweet and salty and, and fatty? Oh man, that's comfort food. Because we have a need inside our spirit. Instead of, when, when we're poor in spirit, we just really realize, I need to just turn 
all of this over to the Lord. Now, there's nothing wrong with a pizza, amen? But if that's my go-to instead of the Lord, something's amiss. And I'm, I'm trying to use the things in the physical realm, that physical kingdom, to satisfy myself in the spiritual realm. 300 million Americans are, on the, are in our country. How many of them are at church today? 100,000, 200,000 people in, in the greater Las Cruces area. We've got room to fill this place. But where is everybody? They're trying to do something that's going to make them feel good because inside their heart they're a little empty and they don't know that they're, that they're broken and they, they, need, they need the Lord. Blessed are those who realize they're powerless over their sinful nature and cry out, for God. So here's the why. Why is the poor in spirit the very first beatitude? Where self is exalted, Christ cannot be. Where self is king, Christ can't be there. Until the proud and haughty in spirit realizes their true condition, that they are broken and powerless, they cannot receive the king or the kingdom. Being poor in spirit is first because spiritual brokenness must come first before anything else. Before you can be seated in the heavenlies and blessed with every spiritual blessing, one must come to Jesus. You know, the founders of Alcoholics Anonymous um, were Christians. I don't know if you knew that. And they took, you've heard, how many of you have heard of the 12-step program? I mean, it's common, kind of common knowledge. Do you know the 12 steps are based on the eight Beatitudes? Did you know that? Yeah. Let's look at the very first step. Step one, if you were to go to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, and I have been to one. I was invited to one, and, uh, and it was a deal. If I came to your Alcoholics Anonymous, you would come to church. So I went to an Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't think he ended up coming to church. But, uh, you know, that's, that's okay. Step one. But listen, li- as we read it, listen to see how it ties back to being poor in spirit. Step one. We admitted we were powerless, bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt, over alcohol, that our lives had become what? Unmanageable. Look at step number two. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step one and two are all about the first beatitude. God, you're God and I'm not. I have no power to change myself. I need you. So whether you belong to Alcoholics Anonymous or not, we're all in the same camp. Jesus is saying everybody needs the Lord. Till a soul realizes it's broken, Jesus can never become precious until one knows how helpless and powerful, uh, powerless and sinful they are, until when they do see that, they, uh, let me say it this way. I'm getting caught up in my thoughts here. Until one knows how helpless and powerless and sinful they are in themselves, they can never see how mighty and worthy and powerful and glorious Jesus is. Until one sees how doomed he or she is, they cannot see that they need a Savior. Are you with me on that? 
Lawrence and Eloise just are in the process of buying a new refrigerator. Now they're buying a new refrigerator because the old one is what? Broken. But if it wasn't broken, you wouldn't be going out and buying a new fridge. But once you realize this is broke, it can't be fixed, we have to buy a new one. That's what happens when we understand this first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They get heaven. They get ushered into the kingdom. Till one sees his own poverty, he cannot see God's riches. So here's the attitude, the next fill in the blank, number four, the attitude of being poor in spirit. I love it because we did it already this morning. We say what? The attitude, be attitude, the attitude is this, thank you, Jesus. It's the opposite of our prevailing cultural attitude of entitlement. Do you see that? We don't demand, God, I need this. We say, thank you. Because I was broken and you healed me. Thank you. I was broken and you fixed me. I had stinking thinking and you ironed it out. I had brokenness all in my life and now I have restored relationships. Thank you, Jesus. A theologian named Thomas Watson, he, he had this comment on the Beatitudes. He says, lose the preoccupation of self. Self is nothing and Jesus is everything. So true. It's Galatians 2.20. No longer I who live, but Christ now lives in me. And the life I now live, I live for his glory. Woohoo! You get lost. The attitude of, of the this ad, of beatitude of being poor in spirit is you get lost in the wonderment of Jesus. And we don't complain about our situations. That's probably the toughest thing, especially for us Americans. Can you say, I'm a rich American? I'm a rich American. And we love to complain. But when we understand how destitute we are, we are thankful for everything. And we say, thank you, Jesus. We see the strength of others because we believe the best in each other. And then we're able to see our own weaknesses too because we know how broken we are. We take Christ on his terms and not ours. We take Christ on his terms, not ours. Only you know how much you weigh, right? You know everything about yourself. And when we can be grace givers, we give grace to ourselves. Invariably, we do. When we believe the best in others and we see our weaknesses, we give them over to Jesus. And he can then start dealing with them. And it's such a beautiful thing. Now, where does... Poor and spirit lead to? It's good news. It's, it's great news. It's, it's wonderful news. It's, it's awesome news. Those who come to the Lord with broken hearts do not leave with broken hearts. Right? That's exciting. He is our healer. And giving up our little kingdoms, the poor get to inherit his kingdom. That is so exciting. I cannot imagine what my life would be like without my children, 
I can't imagine what my life would be like without Tammy. But I have no, on the very end of that spectrum, I have no concept of what it would be like to walk without Jesus. I would be so lost. And I, I, if, go back to the text, uh, just that little gray area. I want, you, I want to point out something about the structure of this sentence. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And then it says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I want you to just make a mental note, write it on the sheet, present tense. Present tense. It does not say, blessed are the poor in spirit, for someday they get to go to heaven. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is right now, right now, right now, you're in the kingdom. That's why, no, regardless of your circumstances, you can be filled with joy and peace because you're in the kingdom already. You're in the kingdom. So, here's our last one. So, when is the bottom the bottom? Do you know what I mean by that? People are spiraling out of control. Maybe you're not, but you know somebody that's spiraling out of control. I've shared with you on a past occasion, I had a niece that was addicted to heroin. And we kept waiting for her to hit bottom. When is the bottom the bottom? When does somebody realize I have hit the bottom and start to look up? The answer is not in our text, but the answer is in the Bible. So I need you to turn to Luke chapter 15, also known as the lost chapter of the Bible, because Jesus tells three stories about lost things but you can impress your friends and neighbor and said I found the lost chapter of the Bible because it's all about being lost but let's pick it up at verse 11 about the prodigal son the son that was haughty in spirit Luke chapter 15 beginning at verse 11 and it says this and he said there was a man who had two sons And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had. He sold out and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living, trying to fill that emptiness And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed, what? Pigs. Pigs are unclean animals if you're a Jewish person, adding insult to injury. Verse 16, and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. He was jealous of the slop the pigs were eating. Verse 17. But when he came to himself, 
He said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will rise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt what? Compassion, felt moved. And ran and embraced him. And what? Kissed him. And his son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put on a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to party like it's 1999. Such excitement filled the air. You know, when the bottom is the bottom, it happened in verse 17. Go back to verse 17. What does verse 17 say? And when what? He came to his senses. He came to himself. When he realized how broke he was, he turned back to the father. And what did the father do? Shame him? Guilt him? Said, no, you're not allowed in here anymore? What did the father do? The father girded up his dress-like thing that they wore back then, the robe, and ran off to meet his son and then shamed him, embraced him, and kissed him and rejoiced that his son that was dead is now alive. That is what this first beatitude is all about. Blessed are the poor in spirit when they come to their senses and they run full on towards their heavenly father, their heavenly father will give them the kingdom.